Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Orson Rossetto. Orson is a mechanical engineer, programmer, and tracer from Carnegie Mellon, and he's the lead developer for Ethereal Matter, a company translating virtual reality into human physical interaction. I want to find out more about that, and I want to find out more about what a tracer is. How's it going, Orson? <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah. Physical, yeah. Physical VR to real life is what we're doing, basically. We're so, we're so glad you can join us and talk about tool stuff, because I know you love tools, so... I'm really um, excited by what you have picked for us. I do, absolutely. Uh, the first thing I have is I'm playing with it on my desk right now. It's this uh, Kershaw knife um, made by Ken Onion. There are two types of them that I that I like. One is called the leak and one is called the chive. And the chive is like the smallest possible knife that you can get. It, you can hold it in like two fingers. Um, it's really good quality. Very Wait, sharp. So, so describe knife. Knives are pretty broad category. Yeah, um, like pocket. Knife. I can. I, okay, it's a foldable pocket knife. Yeah, thing. foldable pocket knife. So is, you're saying this is the smallest foldable pocket knife that kind of fits into two fingers? Yeah, not literally the smallest, but it's like absolutely tiny. It's like having like a like a cat claw or something. Really <laughs> how nice. how long would the blade be? I think this one is under two inches. Okay, and so just a little one. It's yeah, a little exactly. one. And um, this is better than a box knife in what way? It's really tiny and it's very easy to open. This mm-hmm. one in particular is spring-loaded and it doesn't show up. Oh, no, it doesn't show up on the pictures. Um, it has a little pip on the backside that you can flick it open with one hand. Um, okay, so, cool. so there's it, a spring. Yeah, it's spring. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because... I have my my perennial ninety nine cent plastic box knife, which weighs you know a couple grams. I open up with one hand. Um, trying to think how this is better. Um, feels a lot nicer to use. Uh, it's small. It's very sharp. I don't know. <laughs> There's not too many things to a knife, <laughs> which is why I like the small one. Um, the one that I actually have is a little longer, and it also has a uh, serrated edge, so that's good for like zip ties and stuff. Zip ties, oh, and I cable see. ties. Zip tie, zip tie. So you use it for like what else do you use it for? Cutting open boxes. Uh, cutting open boxes, cutting wires, a lot of wire stripping, mm-hmm. um, pushing buttons, and like levering things. A lot of electronics, especially like for industry and stuff have tiny little buttons on them that you can't push with your fingers. You need like a screwdriver oh, or something else. Yeah, so you exactly. Use the tip of the knife. Yeah, exactly. It's just, Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Little stuff like that. Super uh-huh. handy and, and easy to carry around. Have you okay. ever accidentally gone to the airport and, and like, yes, <laughs> that's a bummer. What, so you, what happens you lose then? an $80 knife or do you, what do you do? Uh, I only realized that I had done it when I was trying to find my headphones in my bag on the plane, and then I realized I had oh. the knife then. Well, you've was, gone through security yeah, with it. I made it all the way through oh, okay. security. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, then you're good. Yeah. Oh, well, at that, yeah, at that point, I just lower it back into my bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No I one's had, wiser. Uh, I, 
I turned out that um, I was traveling a lot and I had these box knives. I used to carry one in every these plastic box knives in my pocket. And at one point, after going like days and days of different different flights, finally this one guy um, discovered it. I mean, I've been through like I don't know a dozen <laughs> international airports, and he, he discovered it in my, in a pocket in one of my pants. And the funny thing was, there was another one there. That <laughs> the there were two of them. <laughs> so the security is just, it's very easy to um, subvert. Yeah. Yeah. False positives on that. They get your water bottle, but not your knife. Yeah, or exactly. your second knife. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the second one you like is called the leak. Yeah, the leak. So that's the one that I has have. Serrated edges. And it's 80. That one is, um, one's 80, the same I price. I think they're both about 80. Yeah. $80. Okay. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't get one for myself, but they make really great gifts for like my dad. We keep trading back and forth, <laughs> and <laughs> the same and brand of knives. Is in <laughs> this particular brand? Do other brands make small knives, uh, flick knives like this, or is this the only one? Or is this how, how does it compare to kind of the the landscape of small flick knives? Uh, it's it's somewhere in the middle. There's like really obsessive knives, and then there's cheaper ones. And this one, in, in my mind, is. You can feel when you use it, it has a nice weight. It flips open in a very satisfying way and it locks. And it's just, it's just very, it's kind of hard to describe how nice it is to use unless you use it, but it's very okay. pleasant. Alrighty. Cool. Okay. That is a great start. Now, okay. Now we get to find out about uh, parkour and, and tracing. I don't know how yeah. you put that. Uh, so it's French, it's tresseur. Tresseur, um, okay. What does tresseur mean? I, I don't know. What uh, it's someone who does parkour. Um, oh, oh, why don't they call him a Parker? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, why don't they call it tresoring? What? <laughs> I'm not being French. <laughs> yeah, it's really combining uh, languages. So, so there is there are special shoes that parkour people tracers use. Yeah, for the yeah, yeah. So climbing, climbing up the sides of buildings. Yeah, absolutely, and running and balancing on rails. Um, and so this is the one that I use. Um, it's not a. It's not a. It's a very safe pick in the parkour community. Safe uh, meaning? I mean, you literally mean safety, or do you mean like that? It's a, an obvious both. choice. Both. Both. Um, the things you're looking for. Uh, you want really grippy rubber. You want a very light shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you want one that's flexible. Um, and the flexible is nice for like standing on rails and stuff. If you can put your foot all the way over the rail and get a feel on mm. for both sides of it, it helps with balance. So I see light, flexible shoe. And these ones have actually lasted me a year and a half. So, uh-huh. and how often do you parkour? Uh, about twice a week. And do you do like, are there like indoor courses or do you literally like you're out there, um, on some abandoned building or whatever? Um, both, all, all of them. Okay. Uh, there's this really great competition going on, uh, which I was helping train a guy for called World Chase Tag. Um, well, I've seen the, I've seen some of the professional tag stuff. That is really cool. Is yeah. that considered in the same domain as parkour? Absolutely. Ah. Yeah, yeah. It's all parkour people right now. There's no one like I dedicated to the sport yet. Have you seen Have you seen those, Mark? No, I don't know what it is. It's at like all. it's like tag as Olympic sport. <laughs> Yeah, it's no. wonderful. They have this arena. It's like, I don't know, 20 meters square with a whole bunch of uh, like obstacles in obstacles. the middle. Yeah, you know, like a ladder or a dead end and you know things to hop over. 
Yeah, I'm you have just 20 seconds. I'm just imagining squid games. I can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they shoot, and whoever loses gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it tag. It's it's like you're you're playing tag. One person's trying to tag the other person, and they're running the whole way, and that's the game. But it's all these courses and obstacles. Insane. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Fun. it's doing it again as an adult is frightening because you're you're so much bigger than you are as a kid and you're just uh-huh. sliding around like changing direction <laughs> when you're like oh, me yeah. you're like 200 pounds is is <laughs> is hard <laughs> but and it only goes like 20 seconds and you're exhausted wow. at the end of 20 seconds like after 20 seconds if you if you haven't been training it you're almost too tired to keep running if you survive that long it's like a sprint you're just sprinting the yeah. whole way it's like even yeah it's like even more than a sprint because you're jumping as well, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, is is that is that something you're competing in now? No, I wish. Um, there's teams, and I, I know some of the people who compete, but I've never competed. I even I've tried to train them, um, but super talented athletes and, and very fun to watch. I see, I see. But yeah, if you want to get into it, those are the shoes. <laughs> okay. How did you How did you get into it and learn? Because it's like, you know, like not. Not a super safe yeah. thing to do unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, YouTube? Actually, yes. That's absolutely <laughs> what it was. Uh, I had a course in high school. A bunch of people came to my school. Um, and it was like something, it was one of the options you could do in between like normal schoolwork. And so I actually learned with some of these people and eventually, you know, like five years later was training with them again um, from high school. And then in college, I did it mostly on my on my own uh watching old youtube videos there's such a great community of it online everyone everyone learned originally on youtube because it came over from france and there was no like official discipline or anything else and so the other thing you can do is if people are of a sufficient age they go by their forum handles rather than their real names Mm. so you can go by and ask you know if there's a old tresors what their forum handles are so, so so which way does this age cutoff go i mean if they're older they have the handles or if they're younger they have the handles? if they're older now everyone's on like instagram and stuff but so with, back with, then, their, with their real names, with their real names right see, but back I then see. it'd be like chaos or something and this <laughs> chaos is going to give you his video on how to do a front roll and where are you uh, are you on the real name side of that line yeah i i got into it late when all this stuff learning from it on on youtube and stuff when it was which is nice, actually, because I think it was the Wild West back then, and anybody could teach anything, and nobody could correct you. Now there's a, there's a pretty big community <laughs> of people who, who know what things should look like, and it doesn't just get passed on as wisdom. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, so so this is not just shoes uh, for parkour and tracing, but also for tag. Yeah, all the same. The, you want, the, yeah. Like, this shoe will cover all of it. Um, okay. Yeah. The no, Ultimate just... 81 from Onitsuka, which is uh, looks like a Japanese. Is that Tiger? Is that this one and the same? Or is that Tiger? Uh, no. Are they different? They they have a, a... I think Onitsuka Tiger is like the sub-brand. Uh-huh. Onitsuka Tiger together is the brand, and then the Ultimate 81 is the particular shoe. Okay. And that's $80. Yeah. Um, black and white. Well, that's a whole new world that we didn't know much about. Um, I, I, you can watch, by the way, listeners. You can watch uh, professional tag or competitive tag, I should say, on the YouTube's, and um, it goes fast, but it's it looks like really fun, 
Um, and I, I like to see where they go with it. Maybe one yeah. day it'll be part of the Olympics. Yeah, I highly recommend. It's only like a, a whole round will last like a minute. So yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think you could do a marathon versions of that would be really cool. So the way it works is actually if you win, you stay on. Yeah, I know. I saw that. It's like punishment. That's terrible. <laughs> it is. But like, yeah, if you, I going one round is hard going like three rounds. You just, it gets harder and harder and harder. Yeah. But that, I mean, I would like to see kind of, yeah, you could see, well, anyway, the sp- sport is evolving. Let's, let's put it that way. So Orson, tell us about another, um, your third cool tool. Yeah, this is slightly more abstract, I guess, but um, Unity is a game-making program. It's free, and it's sort of become the standard in in making games. Um, and more and more than games. Yeah, physics simulations. It's just like it's so easy to use and so accessible that they they do AI learning on this as well. Right. Um, as far as my understanding of it, but basically what it does is, is it, it allows you to create a 3D world, a world in three dimensions, and and that three-dimensional world can be used for video games, but increasingly is used in making movies and making sets and making right. art and making anything where you want to have a whole 3D world. Yeah, it'll do like AR, VR stuff as well. Right. Um, it has this really great... There's a huge community of people using it, and there's a huge backlog of things that you can download. Um, like, basically, every everyone has tried something that you're doing, and so there's a the community really makes it in a lot of ways. Right, and there's a live well, there's a, you can have access to libraries of of forms that exist, so you don't have to make a bicycle. You can find a 3D, you can find the files yeah. for a bicycle or for a building or for a water tower or for a ladder, and then you just like move like lego you assemble the scene that you want what are you what are you using it for um so i'm we're using it for a couple things we're using it for the the game part of our vr game okay it's a lot of the very standard stuff but because it also is all in the same place we're also using it to physically simulate the the robotic arm that we have here So we're we're running physics calculations um, and doing motor control in the game engine, just because it's it's so easy and convenient. So the idea is that the 3D world not only has space, three dimensions, but it also has physics. So like if a ball bounces, it has weight, and it'll right, lift yeah, yeah, so you... with the appropriate amount of uh, energy, and and that's how you can simulate like a robot arm. Yeah, totally. Well, so yeah, it has the built-in physics, but then we have our own, our whole own. All we're doing the entire control of the robotic arm through the game engine itself. Mm. So we can do. So that's what I mean when we're running physics calculations. Is like there's one computer running both the arm and uh, and the game itself. So we're using it for all of that. Um, that's just an absolutely fantastic tool. So my daughter is uh, she she's been using Unity for I don't know five years or so and she's oh, that's awesome. majoring in yeah she's really good at it she's majoring in game development right now um she uses it with uh c sharp she's got to like do tons of c sharp coding is that do you do you have to do that is that like if you want to use unity you got to learn c sharp is that the deal that is the standard i think you can't there are things that allow you to use python mm-hmm. uh, i grew up on or i mean i grew up i learned c sharp java that's whole sort of that side of programming and so 
this is what comes naturally to me. So, so it are, I'm just kind of catching up here. So are things programmed in C sharp or, or Python? And is that how you have access or does it have its own higher level scripting and programming? Level? Uh, yeah. So, th- so things are all done in uh, C sharp. So, okay. All right. You can go ahead and move it on into other fields if you, uh-huh. if you want all the skills carry over really well. And is that your, is your background in computer science or is it more like in engineering? Um, I was, I was torn on this when I was going to school. I thought like mechanical engineer, and then I took as many programming courses as I can. And the programming courses were like just so exceptional. I kept taking them uh, at my school. And so it's, it's really been both. I think you can't, in my mind, you're never going to do like pure mechanical engineering again, because even if you were building something as simple as a watch, the the most efficient thing would be to like put a small computer in there and a motor and have it spin. Like everything is going to have some level of computers in it. So it feels like the real way now is to do both. Okay. And I'm um, going back to, to Unity then. Uh, Unity has been around. Uh, I actually don't know what the... Um economics of it is so do they have like a free version and then you have a premium version so what's the story there i think it's free there's a couple like more advanced things that you can get out of the premium version you can make the you can make the screen dark you can have dark is, mode. is there a free version i'm, I'm just assuming there was but yes, i don't know absolutely okay. yeah yeah and that's the main version that people use um and then if you you know make a company and start selling tons of your games then eventually they ask you i think the i think the cutoff is you have to make some amount of money on it okay so so anybody out there can get access to unity and start um fooling around with it to see what they want to do what's awesome too is because it's so easy there's like there's a whole generation of people that are making games now that would not have otherwise made games and so there's like there's this absolute explosion of um of unity games out there there's a whole there's subreddits about it and every day someone is posting some incredible thing that they're working on and now it's finally at the point where one person can reasonably make a whole game um without also being a programmer and, and everything else no it's, it's my understanding that there's there's this unreal which is a similar engine how yeah. does unity and unreal compare to each other uh unreal's better on the graphics um they have some like really sophisticated new demos coming up just absolutely stunning stunning things in graphics like pixar movie rendering in real time um but it's also slightly more complex so 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 it seems like though for the average interested motivated person that unity would be a great place to start it's, oh yeah sounds like it's fairly not too hard to learn. There's this huge community of people who are learning it together. There's probably a whole common platform ecosystem of stuff and resources, education tutorials. And you can go pretty far. You're using it, it seems like, in a professional setting. It's not yeah. just for amateurs. Yeah, barely. But <laughs> I to, I'm, I'm doing the game in between you know, writing the motors and wiring up circuits and stuff but yeah uh-huh. oh wait so, so the game is your thing it's not the the place you're working for is game i'm confused maybe the, what's the game that you're working on uh so we have a couple of games that are meant to show off how our robotic arm works oh uh, i see okay so it's not like a new iphone you got to be both the platform and the, the okay. apps for a little bit um, all right okay i get it 
so we have a couple games that are designed to to give you physical interactions in the real world okay all right so um before we get maybe to that kind of cool stuff tell us about your fourth uh tool pick yeah this is a really simple one um moleskin notebook uh with grid and soft cover so i picked all of these together i'm a <laughs> i'm a pretty tall guy and how so tall are you i am six four mm-hmm. uh that's so why you're not playing tag <laughs> <laughs> no i'm really good at tag when i'm chasing because i can reach yeah, over right, stuff right, and get when you're running <laughs> yeah. away yeah it's much harder running away um there's a horrible thing that you can do in tag where you just run around in a circle they try to design most courses to like optimize away from that but if you just go out in the wild and play tag you always end up with like a tree or something and there's this horrible problem of if the other person is slightly faster than you they can just run around the tree in a circle and you can't catch them and it's way worse if you're tall because the only trick is to switch directions and yeah. like try and catch him the other way but if you're already if you're taller than them and not faster you're just out of luck you can't <laughs> so so and how does this relate to your notebook yes uh i use it when i play tag no uh, <laughs> this notebook uh i do um like math and sketches and writing out notes for my work in um i have them all in the same notebooks oh and because i'm tall that's what i was getting at uh I, this one is big enough that I can actually fit it in my pockets, and because huh. it's soft, it'll bend a little. I see. Uh, okay. And so it's like perfect for that. Um, the dotted is really nice because you can draw on it and use those dots for perspective or um, like distances, and they're not so obtrusive that they ruin your drawing afterwards. Um, I think it's basically just the perfect notebook. It's got the little clasp that holds it shut. Um, and I like having all my my notes and drawings together because it reminds me like it's easier to search my notes if i have my drawings next to them and i can kind of catalog what day and when stuff was do you um do you go back to them very often and have you considered like digitizing them or scanning them to make searching yes easier? absolutely and i wish there was a better way to do this uh i use this app called uh Rome, which lets you um like take notes and then create hyperlinks in your notes to try and mm-hmm. make like a like a wiki of your notes basically. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think often like ooh if I could get if I could get that for my notebook that would be incredible. There's I looked at like actually you probably have you run into people who have gone the uh, the pens. Like, yeah, they have your... the pens. There are are these versions that have the the, the dotted um, papers and that are meant just to be um, digitized with the pen. Has anybody? The, recommended those on the show um i, I think they so. have but i'm not sure th- th- that was sort of a thing maybe three years ago or so and i haven't heard a lot since then um i figured if it were so good we'd never yeah. stop hearing about it because it's just it's <laughs> so it's so compelling um it may be worth a try but with ocring it depends on your the legibility of your handwriting but with ocring these days um it may not even be necessary you may be able to take a photo of the page at the end of the day and it may mm. be good enough that would yeah that'd be a thing to do yeah i've i've i'm using both systems of notes and i wish i could collapse them but i find i i yeah. really enjoy having a physical notebook that i can flip through yeah especially because you're just looking for things you remember stuff which you don't get with with your other notes as often and how, and um 
do you ever go back like years earlier? Yeah, absolutely. My biggest problem is I, I don't do enough stuff in my notebooks. Uh, so they all like multiple years right now I've got four or five of these notebooks. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. it can still be a year per notebook, which is, uh, I feel like too long. So I want to, I want to do bigger sketches and take up more notebooks so that I can right, right, right. put more, put more down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just waste a few pages just to break sure. the habit. I have spare <laughs> notebooks as well, just to try and like encourage me to, I'm not going to. Uh-huh. Exactly. Well, good. So, um, yeah, these are moleskin classic notebook soft cover. What's the size that you uh, recommend? Five, five by eight and a half. I think. If, I guess if you were smaller, five by eight more. and a half. That's that's a pretty big. That's a. You can fit that in your pocket. Well, yeah, I have big pockets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rolls up uh, a little. I think if you're right. maybe someone else, you might take it down to medium uh-huh. or something. Okay. Um, well, great. That's that's really cool. So so Orson, tell us what you're working on these days. We've mentioned a little bit, but Ethereal Matter, what is that? Or Ethereal Matter Machine? Yeah, Ethereal Matter is the company. Um, we're working on our our sort of prototype machine, proof of concept. There's a couple different parts to it. The original plan was that to make a climbing wall, so like a robotic climbing wall, so you could perpetually climb. Oh, I see. So an adaptable, I mean, a climbing wall that would change. So yeah, like that, but rather than being the whole wall, it's just your handholds. So you're yeah. holding onto these robotic arms and right. you sort of like grip them and release them and mm-hmm. move them around and then they'll lock into place and all move together as you climb, that kind of thing. Um, and also doing that in VR. So you have like a virtual, you have a virtual wall that you're seeing in a virtual environment oh. and it's letting you climb in that. Oh, that, that could space. be scary. Yes. Not. Uh, it's such know. an exciting problem too, though. Um, yeah. And all the different places you could go with that. So right now we're working more on the prototype of that. Um, we have two working arms, which are strong enough to lift a person. Um, and we haven't, we are, we're not doing the foot pads yet, but that'll be. You know, yeah. down the line we haven't given up the dream right that's sort of like in the in the kind of the realm of the um what do they call it uh misdirected walking thing with in vr oh i love i i'm so mad that someone beat me to that i was wondering <laughs> if it was possible and then they yeah so 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 f- for the listeners what it is is that you know in vr um you can kind of like um instead of having a hall that's a mile long and someone walking along you you can you can fool them into thinking they're walking in a straight line um even though they're walking in a circle because you can offset what they actually see from what their body does by a little bit and that cheat can kind of accumulate so they think they're walking in a straight line but what they see is themselves walking I mean, they, they're walking. They think they're walking a straight line, but they're actually walking in a circle in the same room. So you can do all kinds of things of accomplishing um, a, an adventure where they don't leave a room, but they really feel like they're conquering, you know, going up paths for miles and climbing up the sides of a wall. But they're they're also happening in a very small space that's in their kind of cheating with an illusion about the distance. So I, I imagine you're climbing the walls might be kind of playing into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Similar, except that there you have the added, like you have the, the feeling of it as well. Right. Something else that we've played with, which is fun, which is um, sort of in the, in towards that kind of vein, which is um, VR rigs for yourself that aren't human. 
So for instance, one of the ones that we're playing with now is a giant mech. And the setup is rather than you are like scaled to the mech and it feels like your whole body, you're sitting in the pilot seat of the mech and you're looking out the window and seeing the arm move when you move. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. And like proprioception tricks like that, I think are going to be super potent and fun to play with in the future. Yeah, that would be cool. Okay, so I see why you're doing Unity now. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I was doing it beforehand to do like flight simulators and stuff because I just physics and math is so the ethereal matter machine that's what you're talking about here is that you you're you're making this this robotic device that will give you a sense of climbing a mountain when in fact you're still in the same room right well and our hope is so climbing was the original vision but we're hoping to do it sort of all kinds of um vr interactions right so if you pick up something it's heavy or if you draw a bow sure has the weight of it and yeah i mean is a workout as well the the few vr experiences i've had that have been most profound are those that combine some kind of physical touch along with the the visual sense and auditory as well so like the the void the void um experiences were all like that where you could touch a wall and the wall could feel differently because it looked differently and and things like that that's so cool have you tried a birdly? No, I uh, haven't. Birdly? No. What is it? Oh, birdly's birdly's amazing. You're on this platform and you're lying on your stomach and you put on the VR headset and you are a bird and you like oh. pitching the the platform around allows okay. you to control your flight and they blow a fan in your face to do okay. your speed yeah, and yeah. it's just simple and beautiful. I did I, I did so a cool. uh, demo at DreamWorks where they were demoing uh, Hogsworth. Um, oh. Switch, um, what's that? What's the um, Quidditch? And we were riding these um, brooms that were kind of attached to like a mobile stand, store platform. And uh, the 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 thing was was just holding a stick, a broomstick in your hand, and and it was the fact that it was also a community of people. I mean, there was you weren't in by yourself; you're with other people flying around, the, and and you were kind of scooting around on on. <laughs> On your flying, were you room. physically moving around? Physically moving around, that 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 those two little cues or the three cues of physically moving around, having the thing in your hand, and then having your friends go around flying with you was utterly convincing. And we were squealing like school kids. It was so much fun. It was the funnest VR experience. And it was because there was this merging of the complete, you know, virtual visuals and the physical that right really is super important yeah i think it's i think it's the number of cues that gets you right like not everyone has to be perfect but if you have like three things telling you the same thing you really buy it right like nobody knows how fast their car actually goes but or like what the feeling of acceleration is in your ear but it would feel weird if you didn't have something right 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 that's really great so um we wish you success on that can't wait to try it out it sounds sounds really cool, and thanks for sharing with us. Um, Thank you. your cool tools. And and so uh, we'll have a link to your to your website makepunk.wordpress.com, and it's got a lot of your projects that you've made that look amazing. And uh, all right, well, cool, Orson. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey, everybody, it's your host Mark, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Cool Tools Show. And I also wanted to let you know that we've got a lot more going on at Cool Tools than just this podcast. We also have the Cool Tools website, 
which has a new tool review every day, and you can get there by going to cool-tools.org. We also have four different newsletters that you can subscribe to, and you can subscribe to those from the Cool Tools page. We have this podcast that you're listening to right now. We also have a YouTube channel where we review tools. Check that YouTube channel out by going to youtube.com slash cool tools. And one of the things I'd like to ask you is if you're really enjoying everything that we are producing, go to our Patreon page and support us there. You can sign up and give us as little as $1 a month, and that would mean a lot to us. The money that we get from Patreon goes towards a lot of things. We transcribe our podcast interviews so that you can read them online. We pay for editing of our podcasts and for our videos. We pay our contributors. We have video production costs. We have equipment costs. We have hosting costs. And the money you give us through Patreon also goes to support Cool Tools Lab. Anything you give is a huge help. And one of the things that we do is if you are a contributor to Patreon, we'll give you a shout out on air. And so I have a few people here to thank this week. Mark Lyonaj, Micah Gates, Monty Zukowski, Patrick James McNally, Robert Cohen, Scott Spence Lloyd, Steve Avery, Steve Golden, Steve Levine, Tom Hess, William Phillips, Aaron Nipper, Durab Patel, Glenn Mercer, Jay Walker, Jeff Bonner, Ryan Jarrell, Pat Daly, Patrick Kennedy, Troy Wallet, Mike Camerate, Nicole Harkin, Tim Youssef, Scott Reed. Thanks all of you for supporting Cool Tools. And if you would like to have a shout out, go over to the Patreon page and sign up. And thanks for listening to the Cool Tools Podcast. We'll see you next week.